Well, the Razorbacks take care of business against Missouri and Bud Walton Arena and what was an incredible second half after a pretty terrible first half. We're going to give our reactions to it as well as the question that everyone's asking, is Nick Smith ever going to play again for Arkansas? We'll talk about that and also an interesting new title to a new Razorback defensive coach. It's all coming up on today's Locked on Razorbacks podcast. You are Locked on Razorbacks. Your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome into Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 103.7 The Buzz and 1037thebuzz.com. Hope everybody's having a wonderful Thursday as we have a lot of things to get into today and especially getting to talk a little basketball. I feel like we haven't talked enough about it, but just because of how crazy things have been in football and all the news, it was kind of nice to just come back and be able to talk about something that's actually real and something that actually has substance and evidence, and that being the Razorback basketball team taking care of business against Missouri last night in Bud Walton Arena by a final score of 74-68. to 68. Now, I, I mean, there's a lot to really dive into from this game. But I think one of the coolest things about this Razorback team and really just under Eric Musselman at Arkansas is that no matter what is the score at halftime, no matter what Arkansas has done in the first half, there is always the second half. Very seldom do you see times where Arkansas is getting beat pretty handedly in the first half and come out and continue to get beat pretty handedly in the second half. I'm not saying it's never happened, but it's very seldom that anything like that will usually happen as long as Eric Musselman's a head coach. And that's what happened last night. Arkansas was down by 17 points with nine and a half minutes to go in the first half. They were down 17 points. Okay. Now I know that it's early in the game. I mean, you still got 30 minutes of game time left, essentially. But when you're in SEC play and you're going up against a Missouri team, which give them a lot of credit, I think they came in with a really great game plan defensively against Arkansas to get them out of rhythm. But if you're on the road and you're beating a team by 17 points, no matter what, no matter what, no matter what time it is in the game, no matter what, you should win that game. I understand momentum happens and it's a game of runs and, and everything, but I would be very upset if Arkansas went on the road to Missouri, to Auburn this weekend, to whoever, and they were up by 17 points on the road against a quality SEC opponent and lost, even though they're up 17. That would be pretty frustrating, and I'm sure Missouri fans are frustrated by that, but that's what Arkansas does. Arkansas and Eric Musselman and this team, the toughness that they have, the adjustments that they make, the way that they just can get on these runs and step on the throat and finish teams off is just one of my favorite elements of an Eric Musselman type team. And that's what happened last night. Arkansas did close the gap at halftime with uh, with a uh, halftime score being 34-27. Missouri was up. In fact, Missouri scored 34 points in both halves. So they, they were at least pretty consistent there. But Arkansas goes from 27 points to 47 points in the second half and, and really turned a corner there too. Now, uh, it was a great performance by Ricky Council, mainly in the second half. He did not have a great first half. Uh, didn't do a very good shooting, had some turnovers there. But he goes for 25 points in this game, 11 of 13 from the free throw line, and most of those came down the stretch in huge situations. But 
He had that and also seven rebounds in this game. You had uh, uh, Devo Davis comes in. He gets double-digit points. He gets 10 points, 5 to 10 shooting. Uh, as long as he keeps doing those elbow jumpers, I'm fine with it. But also had five rebounds and five assists and three steals. So his defense was really good. And I would even say, though, that if you're talking about the player of the game, Mirky Council, the fourth, I'm fine with him getting it. But Joseph Pinion coming in off the bench and providing a huge spark for this team offensively. He gets 13 points, three of six from three-point land, hits both of his free throws, plays nearly 28 minutes in this game, uh, does get a rebound, does get a steal, didn't have a whole lot of everything, other things in the box score, but honestly, you didn't need him to, and they took care of business. Now, Arkansas had 17 turnovers in this game, and five of them came from Devo, five of them came from uh, Ricky Council, and four of them came from Anthony Black. So you're talking about... 14 of your 17 turnovers came from three players. So that that was a tough thing. And most of those turnovers also came in the first half. I think Arkansas had 10 or 11 turnovers in the first half, and they were able to make the adjustments and, and really take care of the basketball a lot more in the second half. But this is the type of game that you want to continue to see this team win because Missouri's a good team. Right? Now, are they as good as Arkansas? No. Are they a Final Four team caliber? No, but I do believe, at least at this point in time, they're a tournament team. They will be in the NCAA tournament, and they'll win some games. So, uh, you know, I don't think this is just a, a, a team that Arkansas could have just played their worst type of game and still won. Like, they played their worst game in the, in the first half, and they were struggling, and Missouri was taking care of uh, business and, and getting it done. But it's just sometimes when you least think about who's going to make a difference or, or what type of – adjustment can be made in this game something sparks something happens and immediately uh it goes in arkansas's favor and they go on these runs there too and pinion was one of the guys that made the difference and probably made the biggest difference not just because of his points and him hitting threes but missouri had a great game plan of coming in against arkansas defensively and saying all right we're going to crash the inside and force them to take threes force arkansas to take threes they can't shoot threes they're not a very good three-point shooting team uh, you got guys that can make it, like Ricky Council can make it. Jordan Council can, or Jordan Jordan Walsh can make it. Uh, you know, Anthony Black can make them, but none of them are like consistent. None of them are just like deep ball threats. None of them are just guys where, as soon as they're on the three point line, you got to get a face right and a hand right in their face because they can make you pay for it. They can do that, but they're not consistent at it. So it was a great game plan by Missouri, saying, "Okay, just force them to." Because, you know, we like our chances. You know, we like our chances better than going inside and letting them get to the lane, letting them get fouled, letting them get and ones, letting them get dunks, letting them get all those things. Just make them shoot three. So it was a great game plan by Missouri, and that's why they were being so successful in the beginning part of the game. And Arkansas offensively just really didn't have an answer until Joseph Pinion came in. And Joseph Pinion, who I guarantee you Missouri probably didn't game plan very much for, now, they were probably more focused on Council and Black and Walsh and those guys, but they probably knew who he was. And they're like, okay, well, this guy can shoot threes, but let's stick with our game plan. Let's stick with our game plan, crash in the middle. Well, when Pinion comes in, hits a three, hits a couple threes, hits three threes, and one of them even being with a dude in his face, just catch and shoot type of thing, which was awesome. And as soon as those types of plays happening start happening, it's like, oh, crap, Missouri's got to be like, we got to adjust this now because we got to watch this guy. So we got to start pushing out towards the three-point line more. And just because of Joseph Pinion's presence on the court, that's what opened up the offense even more in the second half, where they had a lot more open shots. They had a lot more chances to get into the lane. 
had a lot more chances to get to the foul line and get and have and one opportunities. Offensive rebounds were really big for Arkansas too. Arkansas out rebounded Missouri forty to twenty three in this game. Uh, Arkansas also had fifteen offensive rebounds compared to nine that Missouri had. Second chance points seventeen for Arkansas and only eight for Missouri. So those were the types of things that just really made an impact, and that's what was so amazing. Where with Pinion, his presence alone is what helped Arkansas's offense start catching fire in the second half and ended up being a huge difference in this game. So I hope that this is something that they can build upon. And I know a lot of people are saying, oh, Pinion needs to have more minutes and everything. And I'm not saying he doesn't. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that uh, Pinion hasn't earned anything or that. But I do believe that sometimes, folks, there are players, and you can even use Eric Musselman's teams and his history here at Arkansas. There are players that will sometimes have big games coming off the bench, all right? Uh, if you go back to his first year uh, here at Arkansas, you know, it was really Mason Jones and Isaiah Joe. Those were the dudes. Those were the guys that you knew that were going to score and get theirs, right? But then sometimes there would be that Jimmy Witt, which I know he started, but Jimmy Witt who would go for 20, 30 points randomly. Or, you know, somebody else coming off the bench, like Reggie Chaney would have a great game, or Adriel Bailey would have a re really great game. But it wasn't consistent enough. It was just kind of like those random times. And even the next year, you think about Moses Moody, Justin Smith. Those were the guys that would go get theirs. But then randomly off the bench, it would be a Devo Davis or a Desi Sills. They would have those random games where they would just go off and really make a change and make a difference. But it wasn't consistent. Last year, kind of the same thing. You know, you would have uh, Chris Likes that would have like a good game here and there and do a really good job. Um, you know, Trey Wade would, would have a really good game. Had a great one against Gonzaga. But everybody knew that it was about J.D. Note, Jalen Williams, and uh, other guys and other pieces there, too. And it's going to be the same thing this year. I say all that to say this. Pinion could be a very big part of this team. But I also think that it, just because of this particular game, it called for Joseph Pinion to come in and do what he did. And that's what opened it up. That's not going to – it's probably not going to be the same thing against Auburn or Alabama. Where it's like, oh, okay, well, remember when you know, they were crashing us inside and we brought in Pinion, and then boom, that made all the difference in the world. We can do that again. It's not always going to be the case. Like you're still going to have to have Council and Black and you know Jordan Walsh. Those are the guys that you're going to have to go through and get their points. You know, Makai Mitchell can do some things here and there. Devo Davis can do some here things here or there, but Pinion's not going to be a guy that's just going to come in and consistently play. 30 minutes a game. He's just, I, it'd be great if he does, because if he does, he plays well, that that's great. But that just because this game doesn't mean that that's the way it's going to be the rest of the way. So that's what I'm saying to everybody is, is some people have been saying Pinion deserves more minutes, all of that. He does. And I'm not saying he doesn't deserve anything that he gets, but don't look at this game in, in its just entirety and look at it for the future of the season and say, anytime Arkansas is you know, struggling offensively or whatever, just like, well, because you're not playing Pinion. Why is Pinion not playing? Not every game calls for Pinion to play. It's just a matter of getting into the right groove, into the right moments, and with the right uh, situation and matchup. So, But kudos to him. Kudos to Arkansas winning this game, coming back from 17 points at home, uh, beating a top-20 team in Missouri. That's a Q1 victory, so that's going to really improve their net rankings, or at least you would think it would improve their net rankings. But uh, I will say this, and we'll end on this note as far as the game. This is one of my favorite stats, because a lot of times when you see teams like Missouri – go on the road and blow leads like they do. They point to, oh, well, look at the free throw discrepancy. Oh, look how many times we turned it over. Those were the, the you know, we beat ourselves or we got screwed by the officials. A lot of times that happens. Sometimes it even happens here at Arkansas and we talk about it. But 
there's no doubt about it because Arkansas had seven more turnovers than Missouri. Missouri only had 10 turnovers, 12 assists. Arkansas had 17 turnovers. Can't be that. Missouri shot 21 free throws compared to Arkansas's 23 free throws. Pretty even on that front. And they got the same exact amount of shots off, 54 field goals for each team. So there wasn't any screw job. There wasn't any you know, discrepancy and free throws. And it wasn't Missouri just beating themselves. It wasn't that. It was Arkansas making a, the right adjustments and coming out firing in the second half, shooting 61% from the field, 44% from three, and 85% from the free throw line. There's your game. There's your difference. No excuses. Go home, Missouri. And also, seeing some Missouri fans on social media, I know it's always fans, but saying the things that they were saying about Trevin Brazil and also about Jordan Walsh is awful. And I know that it's like the antlers or whatever they call themselves up in Missouri. Maybe it was them. Uh, you know, because I know that they've said some horrible things, but those are the type of people that it makes that victory so much sweeter. You know, it's one thing to talk trash about a player and have some fun and some jabs. But when you start making it personal about injuries and about, um, you know, conditions and all those things, too, that's that's where you cross the line. You can't be doing that stuff. So, so much, so much fun beating Missouri. Go back to Columbia. Can't wait to see you again because it's going to be a really good game there as well. Uh, we'll talk, though, about Nick Smith and the situation that he's in, because I know a lot of people have been asking me about it here in just a second. But first, BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional amateur league out there. From pro football, the college bowl season, to basketball and the World Cup, they've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get on all your betting info. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more over at BetOnline where the game starts. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so continuing on with the Locked On Razorbacks podcast, uh, the question I have been getting more so than anything is about Nick Smith, and I understand why. Nick Smith is a phenomenal player. He is an NBA lottery pick. And like, it's just, it, it's, it's obvious. It's obvious. He's the dude. He's the dude. So I just am waiting to see just like everybody else, as far as what's going on, when is he going to play? When's he going to come back? What's the situation? Because last night he wasn't even on the bench and it came out through a U of a spokesperson that uh, he was not going to be on the bench for the game because he was receiving treatment uh, for his knee injury and everything. Now, and there's also been people that have been speculating and I saw that I think it was like an NBA somebody executive or whatever says that, hey, Nick Smith's played his last game at Arkansas. And you know what? Maybe he's right. Maybe he has some inside knowledge because I'm not going to sit here and try to pretend that I know and he's wrong or anything like that. Because we know in sports, especially in college sports, especially dealing with futures in the professional leagues, anything's possible. Anything can change. But that being said, my gut feeling is that Nick Smith will play again for Arkansas this year. I'm sorry, you cannot tell me that Nick Smith, who has been dealing with this injury and has been on the bench any time that he has even been injured, when he was, whether it was in Maui or during the non-conference or even going on the road to LSU, he was there in Baton Rouge and cheering on the team and coaching them up and everything. You can't sit there and tell me that doing all of that makes sense if he was just going to shut her down the rest of the year. That doesn't mean that maybe a doctor comes in and tells him otherwise, or maybe coaches do, or maybe handlers do, whoever. Like, that could still happen. 
But you can't sit there and tell me that all these things going on is, with, with him being a part of the team means that he's going to shut it down. Eric Musselman has talked about the fact that he wants to play for Arkansas. He desperately wants to play for Arkansas. This is what he wants to do. And so I believe it is truly a knee issue. I truly believe that. I don't think it's something to where he's got a little bit of a stinger that he could play on, but instead he's just milking it and saying, I'm, I'm, a, I'm just going to be a diva. I, I don't see it that way. That's not the sense that I get. He wants to play at Arkansas, and he wants to play with this team, and he wants to increase his NBA draft stock. Because let's be honest, too, if he ends up shutting it down this year, I mean, is that what's that going to do to his NBA draft stock? Maybe it doesn't hurt anything, but if it comes out that he could have played, but shut it down because he wanted to focus on you know the next step, and you don't get to see him in real action, the only thing that they're going to have to judge him on is what is did in high school. Like, I don't feel like that bodes very well for his chances in the NBA as far as being the highest draft pick he can possibly be. Now, again, maybe I'm wrong. I'm not an NBA draft expert, but that's what I would think. So I believe he will play again this year. Now, is it going to be next week? Is it going to be a month from now? I don't know. But I would bet dollars to donuts that you will see Nick Smith in a Razorback uniform once again. And I think he will play. I hope he does. I love this Razorback team and what they're able to do. Like last night's game was awesome. I still think that they played their worst type of game against LSU. And they still almost won that one. Auburn this week and Auburn lost to Georgia last night. Auburn's not great. It's going to be a crazy atmosphere on Saturday, but I think Arkansas can win that one. And if Arkansas can beat Auburn, then beat Alabama next week in Bud Walton Arena without Nick Smith, then your schedule starts to lighten up a little bit in conference play. And maybe you can still figure out something. Maybe you can still go forward, but it's just a matter of, I love this team and I love the players on it and I'm not doubting them, but it's just really hard for me to remain as confident in this team winning a national championship because that is a goal that is a realistic goal. It's hard for me to believe that without Nick Smith. They can be great. They can have great moments. They can have a great run. And I'm not saying that, but just for the sake of taking that next step, going to that next level, I still believe that they got to have Nick Smith out there at some point in time. So I believe he'll play. It could come back to bite me. Could be wrong, but you asked my opinion. Want to know what I knew or what I thought? That's what I think. Nick Smith has not played his last game as a Razorback. And we'll see how that plays out. So we'll wait on that. Do some football talk here in just a second. But folks, I got to tell you about Built Bar. Listen, it's New Year's, right? New Year's resolutions. You're trying to eat better. And I know that I'm trying to do it. I'm trying to go to the gym more. And I'm trying to make sure that I'm watching what I eat and everything. But the one of the best things that you can do is to be able to have easy, fast, convenient foods that are really healthy for you and are packed with protein. And that's what Built Bar has for you. You don't want all that fat and calories. You want the flavor, though, to go along with it. Built Bar is perfect for it. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. They come in all these different types of flavors, which makes it even better. And they have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories with four grams of sugar or less. So these are the things that you need to be eating if you're trying to watch your weight and eat a little bit healthier this year and also something that's easy and convenient. But right now, you don't have to wait around to get a box. We've been talking about ordering Built Bars forever at Built.com. But the best thing now is that now you can get them at your local Walmart and Sam's Club, which we love here in the state of Arkansas, of course, 
So you don't have to go to their website. You can go to Walmart and pick them up today. You walk to the pharmacy section, grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, coconut puffs. And if you're at the Sam's Club, you can run and get the 13-bar box. Because, you know, they always do it in bulk over there at Sam's. So check it out. So not only can you go to Built.com, check it out at Walmart and Sam's Club. They have them available there. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. Check it out. Built Bar as well as Built.com. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so final segment here on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast, a uh, little football talk. Marcus Woodson uh, has been officially named to the Razorback coaching staff. It was being reported by Brandon Marceau that we talked about what he can be and what he can bring, but now that's been made official, uh, it, there's no surprise there. But I guess the thing that may be a little bit interesting is that he was officially named the co-defensive coordinator for Arkansas alongside Travis Williams. Now, according to what Hawk Sports is saying, the new defensive coordinator Travis Williams will coach linebackers since Michael Schur moved on to UNLV, and Woodson is expected to coach in the secondary, but the role has not been defined. So it's either going to be safeties only or... Dominic Bowman's going to move on, and then he just takes over the whole secondary. Don't really know what the case is. But right as of right now, Dominic Bowman is still the cornerbacks coach, and I, you would assume that the safeties part of it will be what uh, what Marcus Woodson ends up coaching. But some people saw that, and they're like, wait a minute, the, the co-defensive coordinator? Yeah, he's going to be defensive backs coach, recruiting coordinator, and co-defensive coordinator. And suddenly when you hear that co thing, like you know, co-players of the week, like we always talk about and make fun of, you immediately kind of get this weird taste in your mouth. I'm like, I don't like that. That sounds like you got two people that you can't figure out who's better and you're going to have constant problems and going back and forth. And, you know, it just needs to be one person that does it all and that's it. Well, I don't believe that necessarily to be the case. If this was Houston Nutt, which I remember Houston Nutt had co-offensive coordinators one time and, and defensive coordinators uh, at Arkansas, but he also had them at Ole Miss, if I'm not mistaken, because of the fact that, it was more about oh, like nut not wanting to make his buddies mad or whatever. He would do that in that role, and it just never worked out. Like I didn't really trust that, and it's a little bit different of a circumstance because in this case, Travis Williams has a good working relationship with Marcus, Marcus Woodson, and they are completely and totally on board with doing this together. Now, does that mean that they're going to be calling every other play? No, I no, it's not going to be that. It's more just hand-in-hand hand working together to make it work. And I love the fact that they're doing this and other programs do it. like Georgia, who's playing for a national championship. They have co-defensive coordinators, too. So it's not like it's unheard of. It's not like it's clown shoes that it's just a program that has no idea what they're doing. It's more of a common thing that people even realize. But there are a lot of things that uh, Marcus Woodson is going to be trying to bring into the table, especially with recruiting. Uh, he was the uh, he's recruiting Conrad Hussey as well as uh, Kenton Kirkland which are guys that uh, hopefully Arkansas can maybe possibly bring in. Uh, he had five-star uh, running back Cameron Davis. He's part of the 2024 class. He was the primary recruiter for him, as well as these other four-star safeties and cornerbacks. And even Travis Hunter, who was the number one ranked prospect of 2022. Remember, he was committed to Florida State until he flipped to Jackson State to go for Coach Prime. And he was committed to Florida State because of Marcus Woodson. So I'm like, okay, fine by me. Great. Bring in some dudes, bring in some safeties, bring in some recruiting, get it all done. I'm loving it. But the co-defensive coordinator thing to me is not a, not a big deal whatsoever. 
But I'm glad that they're kind of getting closer to finalizing the staff. We'll see how the recruiting and transfer portal go. But uh, as far as being a co-DC, I have no problem with it whatsoever. Appreciate everybody listening into Locked on Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at BuzzJohnNeighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. We'll keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see